everyone and welcome back to the show. This is your host Madeline Moon and today's guest is Lisa Bill Yu, who is the co-founder of Impact Theory and the billion dollar brand Quest Nutrition, which she founded eight years ago with her husband Tom Bill Yu. Her career influenced a significant life transformation from housewife to entrepreneur and evolved her business focus from health and nutrition to entertainment media. While struggling with major gut health issues for the past three years, Lisa has expanded her growth mindset to strengthen a mind-body harmony, making her unstoppable in her work. She recently launched and host the show and podcast, Women of Impact, that centers on female empowerment, interviewing significant guests who make an impact in various fields ranging from health and wellness to pop culture. She also hosts another show, Relationship Theory, with her husband and business partner, Tom, in which they discuss relationships, business, and how to manage both. She is building her brand with an emphasis on overcoming self-doubt to pursue your passion, cultivate a growth mindset, and be your own superhero. Oh my God, this podcast is so good. Oh, it's so good. We talk about failure. We talk about uh, Wonder Woman and superheroes. We talk about supporting our partner, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, building more community. We talk about words that are triggering to us. We talk about body image. We talk about Quest Nutrition, of course, and the impact it has had in the disordered eating community. We talk about many, many different things. And Lisa is a Leo, so it's super fun because our conversation is just back and forth, back and forth, fast pace and high on energy. So I just hopped off and I am still feeling all of that luscious Leo energy from her. And I am really, really looking forward to putting this out into your ears because I have a feeling you're really going to enjoy this one. One of our other focuses is having a no BS lifestyle, which means being honest in everything and not abandoning yourself, abandoning your desires for the desires of someone else, abandoning your yes and abandoning your no for someone else's yes and no, and how that can help you not only protect your heart, protect your truth, and protect that fire and flame that's within you, but also protect yourself and your relationship from resentment. Because oftentimes when we abandon our needs for the needs of someone else, we secretly get resentful whether we have resentment towards ourselves or we have resentment towards the person that we think is making us abandon ourselves, we create that resentment. And so that's one of the things I really want you to take home from this episode is the importance of having a no BS honesty uh, rule in your life. You're going to be honest and open throughout everything and all those hard conversations and being selfish, being selfish in your your unwillingness to negotiate your truth. And you'll hear all about that in this interview. So I'll save that for that. And I will share with you the review of the week. And that comes from Dev Danny. And they say, Maddie is the best with three hearts and five stars. I have learned so much from Maddie and I look forward to her podcast every week. Listening to her has helped me break down mental barriers that I used to have. Thank you, Dev Danny, for leaving that iTunes review of the show. So appreciate you. If anyone listening to this podcast enjoys it, gains insight from it, I would love for you to leave a review on the iTunes show. It means so much to me. It's basically the iTunes currency. So the more reviews, the better your show is ranked, which means more people see it 
on the browsing section. If you would like to get a free book on Audible, go to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings where you can get yourself a free book and a 30-day trial to see how you like it. And I think you will enjoy that. (laughs) I don't really have any other announcements to share today. This podcast should not be prolonged any further. So let's go head on over to the Mind Body Musings show. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on maddiemoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. All right, all right, and we are here back on the Mind Body Musings podcast, and we are joined by Lisa, and I am so excited to hear your personal journey going from housewife to entrepreneur and creating the very well-known brand that I think all of us are familiar now, the household name, Quest Nutrition, and everything that you're doing now and supporting women and empowering women in this day and age such needed work. You've created a lot for yourself, and I am so excited to dive in. So without further ado, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so very first thing I'm asking all my guests before we even jump into your story is currently in your life, what is something you are passionately musing about? Oh, um, definitely the impact I'm trying to have on women. Um, so really kind of, I, it all started for me thinking what would I have needed at the age of 16 when I wasn't feeling good about myself, when my confidence was low, my self-esteem was terrible, I'd been picked on in school. So um, it kind of started there, like what would I want to have given that 16-year-old me? Um, and then also my mom is in her 60s and only just now, like she's battled with her weight her entire life and her self-esteem has been affected by that. And um, in her 60s, she's finally been able to make a mental shift and she's lost 105 pounds and so it's really um going in and diving deep into emotions that women go through and the struggles that we go through and how do we help you know um people of all ages from you know even earlier than 16 to you know over 60. Gosh yes oh my god I I love I first of all I think it's so cool that your mom did that but also (laughs) this message is so important especially being raised in this western society where we are basically trained to have some sort of mentality of competition from a young age with our sisters. And you read books like The Red Tent and you read about how 
women would gather in a red tent like whenever the fool came up and they were on their cycles and they were bleeding and they did it together and they like were sisters they were mothers they were related they were friends they were everything those female friendships were everything somewhere along the way we have absolutely um, not just forgotten this but taught that that's not a thing that's not possible and now this wave of of women with the divine rising are coming up and saying no we know how to make this world a better place and it's by coming together and rebuilding those bonds and I I love all that you're doing for that mission thank you and yeah I, I completely agree you're spot on Okay, so I would love to hear your story. I want to hear about, um, obviously you're British, so I'm just like also, side note, curious how, like where you live now, like what are you doing now, how did you get over here to America, Um, how did you meet your hubby, but also like besides those things that's like I just really want to know. Um, Tell me about your your transformation from being housewife and and being married and, and doing that that shindig that comes with an entire full-time job really and then moving over to entrepreneurship and finding founding quest nutrition yeah so um i came here i am from england i came to los angeles um for two months i came to study filmmaking i'd done a degree in london and didn't feel like i really got enough experience as at being a director and I had, my dream was to be the first female director to win academy award so i came to los angeles i did this um course for adults and in my class my teacher was a very good looking hot american guy and so towards the end he asked me like he was ignoring me the whole two months which of course kept me more interested in him and towards the end he asked me on a date now from his perspective he just got out of a relationship where the woman went a little um clingy and um you know a little needy with him so he's thinking this is great lisa has to legally leave the country because of visa reasons so i don't there's no pressure it's going to be just like a kind of fun thing now from my perspective i'm thinking this is going to be great when i'm 90 i'm going to have a great story of how i hooked up with this really hot american guy um so we both went on our first date really with no preconceived notions of what it was going to be we neither of us put on any airs and graces that typically i had done in the past on my first date right like try to be like the right woman that i'm thinking that guys want trying to be prim and proper like i didn't have any of that because i just thought it was going to be you know a fun month with this you know maybe hot guy and same with him. So our relationship from the get-go was built on 100% pure honesty. We Neither of us wore any type of veil to try and, um, you know, get the other person. So once we got married and, you know, we fell in love and we got married, we did the long distance thing, I moved to Los Angeles. And when I moved here, it was definitely with the notion of, okay, we're going to get into film together. And we worked on our first movie together. Um, He wrote the script. I was um, doing photography. And within a very quick period of time being on that set, we realized that um, when it's not in your control, when you're not really leading it, if you're not producer, if you're not the financier behind it, someone can take your work and manipulate it into something very different. Mm. And for me, my love was the art itself. 
And my husband was disappointed. I was extremely disappointed. And, you know, we're at a point where it's like, okay, both of our dreams, he'd gone to film school as well. So both of our dreams were now kind of, it was becoming a, a reality of what actually that meant. And neither of us really were willing to have our creativity butchered in a way that didn't feel right. Um, and so he turned around to me and he's like, look, if we want to control the product, we need to control the resources, which means we need to go out and make money so that we can put it behind our, you know, our videos or our movies or whatever we're doing. And at the time, you know, we're very young and it's like, oh, it can't be very difficult, right? Let's go out and make money. Um, and we sat down and we said, okay, if this is our goal, how do we actually execute on it? So do I go out and does he go out separately and we both take on jobs um, and just try and kind of make money? Um, or his plan was, look, if I, he goes deep into this thing called entrepreneurship and, you know, I'm talking about, 11 years ago now so that word wasn't like what it meant now um but he's like look if i can go out and try and build a business and we can make some money um you know how does he put all his time and effort into it so we had agreed as a collective that i was going to stay at home i was going to take care of every single thing in the house so from food to bills um, to even putting out his clothes. So he would wake up in the morning and I would put out his gym clothes and I would put out his work clothes. Because if you know Steve Jobs, back when you know he was alive, he would say that you only have a certain amount of decisions you can make in a day. And so he would always wear the same shirt. Like he just had like a, a bunch of like 10 black or, you know, I'm sure it was more than 10, but black t-shirts and he would just pull one out every morning so he wouldn't have to think about what he was gonna wear. And so we would look into that. What are the successful people doing? How do they become so successful? And it was about monetizing your time or, you know, figuring out how to condense your time on things. So we went into really deep discussion of what our life would look like. And we had agreed as a collective that he was going to go out and be this entrepreneur. And it was going to take a year, right? Like, hey, it's not hard. Um, of course, we had many businesses that failed. We did a real estate business. We did a website business. We did a domain business. I mean, we kind of tried everything. We did a photography business. Um, and eventually... Whoa. I mean, you're breezing by that, but I just want to point out how amazing that is. That's oh, incredible. Yeah. Like, to do all of that, like, one of those things takes so much time and energy. Okay, I just wanted to acknowledge that. Keep going. No, thank you. And here's the thing. They all failed, right? And it's... Um, it's important to know that like Quest was not our first endeavor. It was, we did one thing, we tried it, did we like it? So for instance, website design. I um, am very creative and so I taught myself how to do Photoshop and I started designing these websites and I had fun. And then after the second website, I realized, wow, the vision that I have isn't the same as the vision that my clients have. And I found that it was sucking the joy out for me. So when I started looking at, okay, I can build a website business, but you know what? I'm actually not enjoying it. And so that's when we're like, all right, then don't continue down this path. Because if you've only just started it, you know, you've done two websites and you're really not enjoying it, then you have to know when to um, take a different path. And I don't see it as quitting. I really do see it as taking a different path. Like, what have I learned from this? And then what can I do next time to implement those learnings into something that I really enjoy? Um, one thing you, you said was that those were all failures. Mm-hmm. So are you comfy with that word? Because I know that for some people, like, like in the entrepreneur world, there is like, 
half of it I feel is avoiding that word at all costs it's like it's not a failure it's not a failure it's not a failure like it's not a failure it's a learned experience but there's also some merit to becoming comfortable with that word and owning it and being like there's nothing wrong with the word failure so instead of trying to avoid it and getting triggered by it and and acting like that's not a thing and packaging it up let's like instead embrace the word failure and reframe the way that we think about it but still know that that's okay does that make sense 100% and you totally hit the nail on the head with the word trigger right because it used to be a trigger for me I don't want to fail I don't want to be a failure um and I think that those are actually very two different things yes I failed I fell on my face like not really calling it what it is doesn't help me so if I can but how do I get empowered by that word instead of letting that word be destructive? And I think that's an important thing to embrace. So if you're a type of person where that word is destructive and you try to not let it be, but it still is, then you shouldn't use that word. And for me, though, I was like, okay, I did fail, but at least that doesn't have a reflection of who you are as a person. That doesn't have a reflection of what you can accomplish. And so how do I use this word to empower me instead of you know um, really be detrimental to me and my self-esteem so I just separated okay I'm not a failure but it failed and then I said okay well how do I use this word to empower me it's going okay well if I failed what lesson can I learn from it because now if I've gotten stronger from this fail then it's a great thing so it's like now I kind of just embrace it go yep fell on my face completely failed but I use it as a way to give me strength and see the positive in that situation because if I'm always running from it and if it was a trigger that made me feel badly about myself it doesn't serve me and my mindset over time has gone like to what serves me what serves my goal and if it doesn't then I have to figure out how to either eliminate it or or flip a switch but if I know it doesn't serve me keep on doing it doesn't you know get me to my goal eventually and then I'm going to be that person that's sitting there after five or ten years saying my dreams never came true and that is a fear that I hold very dear to me like I think about that constantly like how will I feel if my goal never came true and everything stems from that. So, mm. oh my God, so <laughs> good. And the piece that you just shared on, like, face the word if it triggers you. Mm-hmm. See if you can you can sit with it, and if it changes, and then it empowers you. But if it doesn't, that's okay. Then you can let that word go. Don't spend all of that, like you were saying with Steve Jobs, like we only have so many decisions that we can make. We only have so many things that we can work on. Like mm-hmm. if you want to be working on your vis- your business and your your first step is to like be okay with failure and, and just like as simple as the word failure and that's not really working for you, skip over that, choose another word and get back to your goal. But I, I really love that. Yeah, exactly. And everyone has their words. And it's like, if it rubs you the wrong way, embrace it, right? Like address it. Okay, this word doesn't work for me. And then find ones that do. But um, trying trying to go, oh, well, well, she said it, so I should do it. Like, that's not going to help you either. You know, I think everything stems from the way we were brought up. Um, I used to get teased a lot and bullied in school. So I'm just sensitive to being teased. And I'm sensitive to certain words if someone says them about me. And that 
may not be for everybody, but I know that about myself. And so I use that in my relationship with my husband. You know, it's like, look, I know that you don't perceive this word as negative, but I do. So please don't use this word because it does trigger me. And as much as I've tried for it not to, the reality is it does. So being vocal about that as well, especially in a relationship or even a business, because my husband is my business partner, like that's ex- that's how detailed I get with language and um, mindset and what um, empowers me versus what is destructive. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking forward to talking about that dynamic of (laughs) being married and also being business partners. Okay, so back to your story. You were going into Quest. Um, Okay, so yeah, so we so ended up being the one year or the 18 months that we said, okay, we're going to go and make enough money so that we can build our own business turned into about eight years. And so I had no intention of being a housewife. I had no intention of being a stay at home caretaker for my husband in the house. Um, And it was one of those looking back now it was, okay, in 18 months, so what do I do in these next 18 months to support my husband, support our goals, and get to that end? And it just, it turned into eight years. So eventually, my husband was absolutely miserable. He had business partners. Um, they were making very decent money. They had built a tech company, but they were all miserable. It wasn't bringing value. The company that they had was, it was a spy software company. So, you know, instead of people saying, hey, this product is really helping really it was you've just helped me you know um realize that my husband was cheating on me or you've just helped me realize that my son is x y and z and so it wasn't a positive company and he hated it his business partners ended up hating it but they were making great money we were doing six figures and so it was having to make a shift of okay what is our real goal like if this isn't making us happy money at the end of the day as cliche as it may sound it doesn't bring happiness and so as a team, me and my husband sat down and I said, babe, I don't care about the money. Um, I see that you're miserable. You're no longer the husband that I married. You don't have that spark in your eye. And this can be detrimental to our relationship. And I'm here to support you. But right now, our goal is actually becoming detrimental to our relationship and your happiness. So how do we change this? And that's kind of a big part of where him and his business partners decided they have to do a company that can bring value. And at the time, again, mm-mm, I was brought in as the housewife. It was, hey, you're sitting at home, not really doing much. Can you help out with this new protein bar that we want to do? And that meant I was measuring ingredients in my kitchen. We would rent um, kitchen space and we would go there. There was about six of us. And we were making the protein bars by hand and we're rolling them with a rolling pin and knives. And because I was still a housewife and I didn't really have much to do, I was like, okay, I'll ship them from my living room floor when we get an order in. And that's kind of how my first step into business happened. Like it wasn't very structured. It wasn't like, all right, I'm going to be a businesswoman now. It was all right, babe, I'll help you out with this, you know, adventure that you guys are thinking about. And I started doing it from my living room floor. And, you know, like I said, I was cutting bars with my hands. And before we knew it, it went from me doing that to within two years, I was running our shipping department. I had 40 employees under me. We were taking an inventory of $80 million. And we went from making 2,000 bars in a day to making 
1.5 million bars a day. And that happened so quickly that looking back now, I do kind of assess how like what I had to do to my mindset, which was major because I had never been a boss before. I'd never been um, a confident entrepreneur woman. I was you know, especially after eight years of being a housewife, I was, you know, not qualified in any way, shape or form to take that on. But going back to what drove me, it was our goal. Me and my husband sat down and said, this is our goal as a family and this is what we're going to achieve. And every time I hit a roadblock of like, how do I even print orders or how do I figure out how to do um, racking in our shipping department? How do I hire a forklift driver and what are the legal things I need to know about it? I mean, every tiny little thing I had to learn every step of the way. And every time I hit a roadblock, I'm like, okay, well, I can, I have two options really. I can stop and go, I don't know what I'm doing or I can figure it out like to me those were my options and because I didn't want to let my husband down as a team where I said I was going to do this part of the business um I was like okay well if I just stop it's not going to move me and my husband towards our goals so I have to figure it out like I just put that amount of pressure on myself to say I have to um put in the same amount of work that he is and I have to bring just as much to the table. And that's how I went from being a housewife to then a business, running a business and running a department. Um, and then kind of that, there's many steps after that that led me to impact theory and then women of impact. But that was definitely the transition logistically of how I did that. Mm. Okay. there's so much goodness there but the question that's coming up for me and I'm I'm thinking of how I put this into words um when we're in relationship oftentimes we really want to impress our spouse or our partner we're like Mm -hmm. you know we just we we have especially as as women or actually no both 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 anyone whatever whoever you are Um, there's like always this delicate balance that you want to create between being in your hustle and getting shit done, but then also feeling safe to bring up your concerns. And if you have fears, being open about them and having conversations, but not relying on them to fix it for you, you fix it, like creating all this. So how did you figure out a way with your partner is Tom? Yes. Your husband? Yes. Okay. How did you figure out a way with Tom to build this business and you're you're taking care of so much he's taking care of so much and you risk let's bring that word back in the failure word you you risk maybe failing at something doing something wrong but doing it with fervor and going after it and trying it anyways even know that you're even knowing that your husband your partner is right there watching you and you really don't want to fuck it up basically Mm -hmm. because he's there and you know you you want to show him your best and show him Mm -hmm. that you can do this how did that come into play in your relationship yeah we had to sit down and really we do the like we play the no bs game so like no bs what does this actually look like not the fairy tale but what does this actually look like and at the time we had just bought our first house and so when we started quest we put every penny and we said okay if this doesn't work like we lose our house period um are we willing to do that so as a risk are we willing to do that as a team yes okay so now we're both um invested in making it a success but at the end of the day, we're both human. Like we both fail. We both stumble. We still, we're both learners. And I want to be a learner for the rest of my life. Like 
at the age of 80, I want to be failing and learning. So we both have that similar mindset. And so when we sat down and said, okay, um, how do we actually do this? It was understanding that the other person's going to go through a learning curve. And especially because for me, I was going from being a housewife to an entrepreneur. I think it was take the joy in the small achievements. So when I figured out how to actually print orders, I was so excited and proud of myself. Um, you know, and it's yeah. as partners as well that it's so important not to just be their biggest champion, but to be their biggest supporter, right? Like I'm going to root for you, but if you fail, I'm going to support you in helping you get better and overcome that. And the second we start judging each other for failing or start judging each other that we don't know something, then it's like you you aren't on the same page of what your goals are because any human being, I don't care if you're, you know, um, Elon Musk, you're Oprah Winfrey, like the most elite people in the world that I look up to, they still fail. They are still learning. And so if I can say the most elite people that I think is incredible are still failing and learning, why do I not allow myself to do that as well? Oh my God. Yes. Oh, it's so (laughs) yummy. It's so yummy. And I hope everyone listening, like, like probably most people listening are not in business with their partner so this can be applied in every single instance and situation if you're just in your own career and he's in his own career the same thing happens like being on each other's side and allowing room for failure and conversations and supporting each other no matter what this happens in everyday fights this opportunity Yeah, absolutely. And you're totally right. This isn't just if you're working with your partner. I think it, um, as a family or as a unit, I think you need to come up with what is that bigger plan for you guys as a collective. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that I meet that, you know, are married and they have kids. Let's talk women um, specifically. They're married and they have kids. Um, I think, or you're thinking about having kids. Tom and I, we sat down and we said, okay, what does kids mean to us? What does your life look like? Like no BS again. What do you, what type of parent do you want to be? And what type of parent do I want to be? And are we able to come to a collective decision? So I don't want to give up my career, right? That That's just me being very honest. Okay, well, if I don't want to give up my career, what does that look like day to day? Well, my husband was very realistic and he said, look, I'm, I, I'm an entrepreneur by, you know, in it's innate in me so even if we have a child what does our Monday to Friday Saturday and Sunday look like and he was honest and he said look I'm not going to be home at 6 p.m to have dinner with the kids and I'm not going to be um home um to put them to bed sometimes because what drives me and makes me feel alive is being a businessman is being this intense so knowing that As a woman, I had to sit back and go, okay, is this the type of environment I want to have a kid in? Do I want to have a child with a man who doesn't want to commit? And it's not that he doesn't want to commit to being a father. It's just he was very honest and said, look, you're going to have to be the lead of that parent. And when he has spare time, he said he would want to spend it with a child. Okay, well, no BS. What does that then mean between me and him? If he's now spending Saturdays um, taking our children to soccer practice and he wants to read to them and he wants to be a coach to them, okay, well, no BS. What does that mean for me and him as a 
husband and wife. That means I've gone from pretty much being his number one position to being his number three position. Am I okay with that? And we did it in reverse as well. It, it was the same for me. I don't want to let go of my career. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that I would have to no BS, either find, have a nanny. Do I want to have a nanny? Do I want someone else bringing up my children? They're going to be number one in my eyes. So where does my husband lie? He's going to come maybe second or third. And then we said the no BS. Do we both want to be number three in, in each other's lives? And we said no. So that's a really long way of saying that's how we came to the conclusion that we weren't going to have children because I find so much pleasure and passion in helping others that I don't want to give that up and that's just not a something I'm willing to sacrifice. And that's how we, so whatever your decision is in a family, whether it's I want to be a stay-at-home wife and look after the children, I think it's important to have that discussion with your partner and say, what is what are you willing to also contribute? Because the people I have spoken to, the one of the biggest things I have noticed is women say their husbands or their partners do not help out in the house. They don't help out with the children. They don't necessarily help out with the dishes. They don't help. Okay, well, did you have that discussion? Or you need to have that discussion. And the no BS, like, I'm not saying this to please you. I am literally saying it as a purely selfish standpoint. And then what am I willing to sacrifice? But I think you have to start with the selfish desires within yourself. Because if you keep neglecting them, I personally worry for myself that I would start to the fire inside me would start to um go out if I'm not yeah and the resentment starts to build up yes the resentment eventually it'll 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 grow it'll get larger and larger and instead of for some people you will resent yourself for for basically abandoning yourself but a lot of times it happens with first resenting the person in front of you saying like you took this from me when in reality what happens oftentimes is you're just too fearful to speak up and be selfish first and foremost yeah it's a hundred I call it kind of like the dust settling it's like if you don't address a problem it's like imagine you just cleaned your house and you don't address a problem eh, some dust settles well what if you don't clean it right and you don't address it what happens in a week what happens in a month what happens in a year that dust becomes so thick that the cleaning process is so much harder to do whereas if you're addressing it every time it happens and you're doing it with your emotions where you're able to control them and it's not you know flared up and you can really sit with them and have a very um, candid but articulate conversation instead of letting your emotions take over I think that that at least for myself has definitely helped me and my husband not ever have anything that's built up and not have any resentment for each other because if he said I'm not going to be home at six o'clock and you know on my Saturdays I'm going to spend it with a kid and I said okay well I still want us to have children are you on board and he says yes then when he's not home I don't have any resentment towards him because we've already addressed it mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so good all right quest nutrition we're mostly focusing here on um, the business mindset and, and mm-hmm. failure and going after dreams. But I'm just curious, like whenever you're creating anything new, you have to have a lot of passion and driving force and mission statements and all of that. What was your, what was your idea of what you wanted Quest to be? And what was that driving force beyond being an entrepreneur, but like Quest itself? Because I just, I love Quest. I'm a huge fan of y'all. I don't know if you knew this, but five years ago when I started this podcast, 
I um, had just heard about uh, sponsors for shows and I was deep in conversation with y'all and I became an ambassador and I've technically been an ambassador of Quest for like five years now which has been That's fantastic amazing. I know it's it's so it's so funny how it comes full circle but I I just wanted to some to make some space for that and just to hear about how you found yourself so passionate about this brand and company yeah so um I, so my husband had two other business partners, and so really we all had our own selfish dreams of what we wanted the company to be and what that was going to serve for each individual. And I think that's really important um, because everyone, I, I personally think everyone has their own specific mission. And so even my husband's mission with mine is slightly different. And for me, initially, it really did. In all honesty, it's not romantic at all, but in all honesty, it was, okay, I want to support my husband. He's got a vision of how we can grow this company. Um, and that, But that vision was from, okay, what is a problem we all face? And we all would go to the gym, we would work out, and I would make these little protein bars for my husband. I put like protein powder, peanut butter, water, and some nuts. And I would, you know, wrap them up in cellophane and he would take them to work with him. And so, because there was nothing on the market that wasn't good for you and tasted great, you almost had to make a decision. It was, okay, am I going to have this product that has so much sugar in it, but it tastes nice? Oh, hey, it happens to have protein. Or I'm going to have this other protein bar that doesn't really have sugar, but it tastes like cardboard. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely recognizing a hole in the market that we could use in our own lives. Um, and I think that's very important if you're starting a business. Like, what is something that you're battling with? What is something that you want to create that is a problem in your life right now? So that was partly how it started. Um, and then also, my mom definitely had eating issues. And she went from pretty much being anorexic to being extremely overweight. And my husband comes from a morbidly obese family. And so these were people that we really, really did truly love. And um, it was heartbreaking to see them struggle. And the realization came about where you can tell a small subset of people to eat chicken and broccoli and work out six days a week and they'll do it. But what about the rest of the world? What about people like my mom? What about people like my husband's family that um, they're not going to be eating chicken and broccoli and they're not going to be going to work, uh, sorry, to work out? So it started coming, okay, well, the no BS game, how do you take what you know about humans and leverage their behavior instead of trying to change it? So trying to change it is me saying to my mom, mom, you need to eat chicken and broccoli and go and work out for six days a week. That's changing her behavior, which she'll never do. Okay, well, how do I leverage her behavior? What do I know about my mom? My know about humans in general is they want to eat things that taste good. They, they want to eat cake. They want to eat ice cream. So it was taking the reality of these behaviors and go, okay, well, how do we leverage it instead of trying to change it? It was to make a protein bar that tasted amazing so that people like my own mother would want to eat it. And then um, it just so happens to be good for you. And so that was kind of the mentality behind it. And we went out to manufacturers. We had no intention of manufacturing the bars ourselves. Like I said, we were renting a kitchen with rolling pins and knives. And we went out to manufacturers to try and make it for us. And time and time again, we got people laughing in our face. They said, look, guys, 
there's a reason this bar doesn't exist. It's not possible. And we just kept getting that. We get we got manufacturers that turned us down time and time again. And so eventually we're like, well, we've kind of invested in this already. I guess we're just going to have to do it ourselves. And that became a whole learning process. We bought a machine that was like $100,000 and no, none of us knew how to work it. And at that point, like my mission definitely was thinking about my mom, but I'm not going to like BS you. The truth was I'm like, oh God, our house is on the line now. Like we have to make this work. And even if we fail, how do we use a failure to help succeed the company? And so it really was that it was like out of fear of, um, you know, losing our house. And it was out of fear of, you know, we had business partners and no one wanted to let each other down. And so it was knowing that if I'm tired at 7 p.m., I can't stop. Like, if I've got a problem I have to address, okay, what is the knock-on consequence? All right, I could go home. That's very fair. No one's forcing me to be here. No one's forcing me to do anything. But what is that knock-on effect? Okay, the knock-on effect is I could potentially lose my house. I could potentially um, fail at another business that I really think can bring value because up to that point, the websites and all of that, I didn't feel like was actually bringing value to someone's life. And so when we started hearing from people that were starting to try the bars and we're, we're hearing from the, um, you know, the, the people that were overweight and that were losing weight on the bars, that was fantastic. But personally, it really was the small things, not even small, I should say, but the unexpected things. It was the anorexic community that came out and started saying, thank you guys for this bar. It's the first bar that um, has allowed me to start not fearing calories again. And like that hit me like a ton of bricks because I knew the way my mom had struggled. And I knew that as a, in my sitting, when I was 16, I definitely struggled with, um, I wouldn't have said that I was anorexic, but I was definitely cal calorically restricting myself where I wasn't eating fat and I wasn't eating carbs because it was deemed as bad for you. And so, um, when I started hearing all these communities coming out saying that we really affected them, that pulled at my heartstrings more than I realized. So I had started from the standpoint of didn't want to let my husband down, didn't want to like not hit our goals, didn't want to lose the house, but it absolutely transitioned into, wow, I'm actually creating impact. And I'm actually like my hard work, these nights that I'm working till one in the morning, we're in the warehouse on a Saturday trying to figure out problems. Like it became all emotionally worth it for me because I was actually changing lives. And that was a surprise to me. I didn't expect it. But that has been the catalyst for my entire life moving forward on why we then started Impact Theory and then why I started Women of Impact. Oh, my God. Wow. So a few things there. First thing that really struck out to me was the spending money, $100,000 on that machine, not really knowing how to work it, and then having your home on the line and using all of that, even though it was a lot of fear, as fuel. And like that that sounds like a superpower to me, like being able to have that kind of fear and intensity in, in one situation. I'm sure it caused a lot of anxiety, but not letting that anxiety rule you and instead it inspired you and drove you to create what you created. And then also... On this, I'm so, like, wow, it's so interesting to me how a protein bar like can create this wave of change because I was a part of that 
eating disorder community who mm-hmm. like, and I didn't even really put this together of like, yeah, that the whole community now that I'm remembering back then, whenever we started to first hear about Quest, like I have, I have a very long extensive bodybuilding and orthorexia and anorexia and spurts of, um, Uh, purging like history and I remember when I was really starting to eat fear foods again and to just eat more again and get away from just the chicken and broccoli like I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum as some people who are who are overweight so to say are eating the bar and then for me I was it it helped me get closer to thinking like okay cookies are okay like uh, it was a bridge food in a way like by eating those quest bars I started breaking those stories um, being able to give myself more food freedom. And I remember getting on Instagram and like all these people would have p- pictures of their quest bars that they would be putting on top of like their protein ice cream and all this stuff. And even if it's like protein food, like mm-hmm. even if it's protein focused and health focused, like it was that bridge food that allowed me and thousands of people like be okay with just the the, the taste of, of sweetness and eat things with chocolate chunks in them and still knowing that we're doing our body good and it's amazing. Now that I'm really thinking of that, it's really amazing and really cool how that goes into your story. Thank you. Yeah. And a big part of it also, I think, of what helped us be so successful is very early on before people were doing this. And I know that people are listening to this now um, with social media the way it is. But back when we started Quest, like the only thing that really existed was Facebook and people were just using it for their families, right? Like to stay in touch with people. No one was really using it at all for marketing. And back then coming from a film background and my husband coming from a film background, um, we realized that, okay, well, what do people relate to? It's storytelling and it's connecting people emotionally on things versus, um, you know, very, um, what's the word, uh, just like um, absent of emotion. So with Quest, when we started talking about how it was emotionally changing people, people started feeling like they were a part of a community that were that was focused on them. And that was the truth. Like our entire marketing, I ended up going from shipping to running our media department because that's kind of going back to like where my passion really was and how I transitioned. Um, But in the media department with our marketing, everything we did was like, it's not about us. It's about the people behind the the bar or people that are eating the bar and how we're changing their lives. And it was definitely a marketing strategy, but it was – based on what really was important to us. And when we looked at like our mothers losing weight and stuff like that, it's like their story is so much more important than, you know, our product specifically. And I think that that was a big thing that no one had really done before is building a community around the emotion of the product versus the product itself. Mm, So powerful. Okay. 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 (laughs) Um, major conversation switch, but we're coming up on the hour here and I want to make sure we get to the deep dive round. So last thing, I just want to ask you and make some space for this. Tell us about women of impact. What is this and, and why are you creating this or why have you created this? Yeah, thank you. So, um, to me, my life has been an evolution. I have a big grand goal, but sometimes I don't even know how I'm going to get there or I don't even realize it's something that I'm interested in until I start feeling the spark. And I think it's very important for us to always self-assess because 
I recognize that I pride myself in growth and I want to keep growing. So I don't want to be the same person I was a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. So I always self-assess. And so as we were building impact theory, which the um, the reason why we started building impact theory was really a to hammer home the mindset because we were recognizing that Quest was amazing for people that wanted to pick up a protein bar. But how do you affect the people that are depressed? How do you affect the people that have anxiety? These are the people that are not going to the gym. They're not thinking, hey, I need to eat healthy. They're already struggling with self-esteem. So how do you really help those people? And it really is addressing the mind. And if we play the no BS game of, okay, what really is my mission? to impact people okay well the reality is i'm only impacting people who have already made that the mental switch to want to lose weight or to want to grab the protein bar so how do we affect people of the mind okay what if we talk about it what if we bring on incredible people that have done amazing things and have had to overcome depression anxiety failures you know basically what also what you're doing on your podcast right bringing on people to really get inside their minds and speak their wisdom them, um, we realize we have to affect the mind too. So that's actually what brought us to impact theory. Um, and then women of impact was an evolution of that. It was okay, I'm really, you know, in a position where I'm extremely grateful for through quest and through impact theory. But if I'm not living my life on a database, day-to-day that is giving me the passion and the drive and really feeling like I'm succeeding, what am I doing it for? What it, what have I done this last, you know, 10 years to get in the position I'm in now if I'm not happy and if I'm not putting my sights on something that brings me passion? And when I think about what really that is, it's going back to kind of what I said at the beginning of the interview is like, I really want to help the 16-year-old me. You know, hearing my story from the outside may seem cool and may seem like, oh, she's got confidence. It's like, no, I was a, a mess at the age of 16. I didn't have any confidence. Um, I, When I was 14, I had a head brace. I had those, you know, really um, bad metal braces in my, in my mouth with a head brace. And I had a unibrown. I had no self-confidence. And seeing what I had to do to myself to get from that to then being able to change my mindset, to be able to build a relationship where I've been married now for 16 years, where I've been able to build a business, um, I've had to work on myself. And the truth is, is that, okay, well, there are still people out there struggling. And with social media the way it is now, I think it's even harder for young girls to build their self-confidence because they're looking at other people saying, I wish I could be that. And when I start talking to incredible women in my ecosystem, how fortunate I am to be around these certain incredible women, we always end up talking about the things that we've had to overcome and the failures that we've had. And so it's like, well, how do we start talking about this more? How do we start being open? How do we start embodying the truth of really what it has taken for us all to get here? Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm fortunate to have a studio in my house. So, okay, well, why don't I utilize it? I'm very fortunate to be friends with a lot of these incredible women. Okay, well, ask them to come on. And that was definitely the start of the show. Um, but one little thing I'd like to add is I went to see Wonder Woman in the movie theater. And I left there feeling like I was a badass. I was like, yes, 
women power, this is amazing, I can do anything. And then an hour later, two hours later, I was like, okay, that was great, but I don't feel like I can actually use it in my business. I don't feel like I can actually use it to empower me to build a good relationship. And so it started me thinking, okay, well, what's the no BS answer to how do you empower women um, on the long form? And it really was, okay, well, what would Wonder Woman look like today? Because Wonder Woman is amazing, but she was back from World War II and she had, um, you know, she was um, created by Greek goddesses. All right, when I look at my life, I look at the 16-year-old in me, that doesn't help. So what would? Okay, well, what would Wonder Woman look like today? It would look like these incredible women. It's real women, real stories. That's who are my superheroes of today. And so then that kind of evolved into women of impact, superheroes, which I'm also developing um, amongst the women of impact brand um, and really trying to, you know, step out of the norm and say, you know, how do I really impact women? I think it is through entertainment as well. So what does that mean? Wait, you're saying you're creating superheroes through your brand? Yes. So I've got, I know that was, sorry, a big jump in. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so curious. Yeah. So um, it really was, I really feel like women's superheroes, like I said, Wonder Woman, really impacts, like you look now and you've got young girls dressing up as Wonder Woman and it empowers them. And I love that. But how do they use that empowerment in their real lives? Like, how do you use it if you're getting teased? Imagine you're a 14-year-old girl and you're in school and you're getting teased. Okay, you could love Wonder Woman, but how do you use that in your real life to overcome being teased, to build your own self-confidence? I don't think you can. At least I couldn't see a way. So I thought, how do we bring them together? Like, how do I get my mission, which is to help the young girls of this generation feel empowered to overcome obstacles, to feel confident in their lives, and then using this, um, let's say, symbol of a superwoman or a superhero that women today really do feel empowered to be like. And so putting those two together, I was like, okay, well, what does that actually look like? Okay, well, if I hired an artist that was taking these incredible women, making them into superheroes of today and creating their story, their real story, talking about their real rock bottom, create, you even said earlier, like you feel that overcoming fear was my superpower. Um, It's exactly that. What is their superpower? And saying like, you too can be this, you too can be badass and be a strong, confident woman, but it's not going to be, you know, created from a Greek goddess. It's going to be created from you. And how does these women in the real world, what is their strategies? So taking their strategies as their superpower, what are their strategies? And how do we entertain people as well as empower people? And so, like I said, I ended up, we've um, hired artists. I've got two female writers on staff now. And we're building these women into superheroes so that women or young girls can, you know, um, have a T-shirt with their favorite superhero on it, but have takeaway messages and takeaway strategies that they can actually put in their lives. So that's um, kind of, I know that was a lot of words and so I apologize, but that's, that's the, the big vision of Women of Impact 
um, and the elements of it. And people can, you know, um, follow at Women of Impact on Instagram and kind of see that evolution that we're basically going to be showing on our Instagram page and taking incredible women and making them superhero figures. Oh my god, this is so fun. And yes, entertainment. Like I I am smiling ear to ear thinking about like how you're creating something really um really visible that people can watch and observe mm-hmm. and soak into and learn from and it makes it fun and anytime I think something is fun um and it it involves your imagination, it is you 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 get the messages so much more integrated because it's it's memorable and it's exciting like the idea of of superheroes to me this is really funny because my boyfriend is like obsessed with superheroes and marvel movies and like i could have nothing to do with it and this is actually really cool and and i would i would just love to watch something like this or um learn from those kind of characters especially as a child like looking for role models there's nothing really like that So thank you for creating that and making it fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I love hearing feedback from people. Um, So yeah, any feedback you have, I I would love to hear it. (laughs) So before we go to the Divine Deep Dive round, where else can people connect with you and follow along with the many things you're creating and working on? Yeah, thank you. So um, my social, I'm always on Instagram. So it is at Lisa Bilyeu. Um, And then just as a like what we're doing on the women front is at Women of Impact on Instagram. And then our videos um, we release on Women of Impact on YouTube. So if you're a video person, you can go over to YouTube. We also release them as podcasts um, at Women of Impact. It depends on what your preference is. Excellent. And I will have those links on the show notes to this episode. Thank you. Okay. So this is basically a quick fire round. Just whatever comes up for you first. Oh, I love this. Let's have some fun. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Number one, what is one must read book? Oh, The Female Brain. Without a doubt, it should be in every school. Every kid should read it. Every adult should read it. All men should read it and all women should read it. Isn't that a movie too? It is. The movie isn't that great, I'm going to be honest. Um, But the book, it like changed my life because it helped me understand why I react the way I do. So like not allowing, I think emotions are very powerful. And I don't think you should let your emotions dictate what you do and who you are and how you engage in the world. But if I don't understand my emotions, it's hard for me to navigate them. The female brain lays everything out from when you're first born to when you go through puberty to... When you go, you know, when you're pregnant, I mean, I didn't even know that the brain, the female brain shrinks, shrinks when you're pregnant. And it takes like around eight to nine months to grow back after you've had the baby. So now just imagine all the women that suffer from postpartum depression, where men kind of mock women for being crazy when they're pregnant. The truth is the brain is actually changing. And if you understand that, I think people can be more sympathetic and empathetic to women who are pregnant. Um, Anyway, I could literally go on for three hours just on this book, but that is why I think the book is so powerful for any human being, couples, individuals to understand why we do and act the way we act. Okay, I'm ordering that today because that movie, I had had no idea that was a book and I did like the movie, but I'm kind of with you and I was like, there could be some improvements here. Um, So knowing that it's a book, I already know I'm going to love it and oh my God, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Okay, what is your favorite meal right now? 
Oh, that's a tough question. So we didn't get a chance to dive into it, but I have major health issues. For the last three years, I've really struggled with my health. And so I have a lot of digestive problems. Um, so there's only a limited amount of foods that I can eat. So God, my favorite food that I can eat is lamb and egg yolk scramble because I do a ketogenic diet to help with my gut inflammation. And so I have to have very, very high fat. So um, I love lamb with an egg yolk um, scramble. It does sound really good. <laughs> uh, okay. What is your spirit animal? Oh, can you give me a little more context? If you were to be put into an animal, what do you oh. think it would be based off of their either looks um, or how they act? I think I would be a lion mm -hmm. um, because I can be a complete pussycat at times and then I can be a ferocious animal um, and I love both sides of my personality. Mm, that's a good one. That's mine too. I would <laughs> Is it really? That. Well, I'm a Leo, so it, it just relates. I'm a Leo too. Oh, no way. Oh my God, that's so cool. I love two Leos. That's why we we're both talking really fast on this podcast. <laughs> It's so and funny. we get along so well. I know. Um, okay. What is your favorite scent? Ooh, the smell of my husband's neck. Oh, yes. I mean, not yes to your husband, <laughs> but like yes to it's a good, man's right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Describe your relationship to coffee. Um, love, hate. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't drink that much coffee. I drink coffee uh, one cup a day, but I do l dilute it throughout the day so that I actually, it mm. feels like I'm having like 10 cups. Um, so it's my way of drinking a lot of water. But I've recently been told by my doctor that coffee, even the tiny amount that I have, um, may be some causation of my stomach issues. Mm. So it's a uh, love-hate. Like I hate it because I love it so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. I get that for sure. What do you want to be praised for more than anything? Um, really creating impact and having said something or done something that has um, changed the course of somebody's life for the better. And last question, what is your favorite form of movement or play or exercise? Hmm, my favorite. Like the no BS answer is lifting heavy, heavy weights. I love feeling super strong and that was a massive transition for me when I went into the like restrictive dieting, doing cardio every single day for over an hour, thinking that that's what would make me feel good about myself. And because of my digestive issues, I had to stop cardio and I had to change totally the way I ate. And so I would go into the gym and started lifting weights and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it makes me feel empowered. It makes me feel strong. Um, and it really does help with my mental strength as well as my physical. So I would definitely say um, lifting heavy weights. Ah, oh, fantastic. I love it. I have so much more love and respect and um, warm, fuzzy feelings about Quest now that I have been able to speak to you. I already loved Quest, but now like hearing your story and the journey of how it came to be, like it's the coolest company ever. So thank you for coming on and sharing your journey with us, inspiring us and just being so open and honest and no BSing. Oh, thank you, sweetie. And thank you so much. You are amazing. I've had so much fun. And I was telling you before we started recording, your content is fantastic. Your website is awesome. Um, so I, it is a complete honor for you to have me on your show. Oh, 
thank you. Everyone, make sure that you click on all the links to all the wonderful things she is creating by going to maddiemoon.com slash lisa dash billyou. That's B-I-L-Y-E-U. And you will get the show notes there. And as you know, we would love to hear your thoughts if you want to share with us on Instagram or by sending in a email to me, commenting on the show notes on the website. Let us know what your thoughts are and we'll see you next week. We'll be right back.